1: What's up everybody?
2: Welcome to another episode of Group Therapy. I am Kirk Henderson, Editor-in-Chief of MavsMoneyBall.com. God, my hair looks terrible. Um, Hope everybody's having a nice little Friday. We're recording here. It's uh, Friday, May 5th. It's a week before I turn 39, trying to get my life in order. It's impossible to do at the same time. Uh, But as uh, has been our role as of late, we're hanging out here on Fridays, talking a little Mavs, talking a little NBA at large, talking about uh, maybe you know the, the upcoming draft lottery, which we should all be petrified of. We can talk about any of the news of the recent week. We can talk about hypotheticals. I am very interested in hearing what you guys have to say this afternoon. Um, let me see here. I need to get some links set out um jeff thank you for tuning in i'm i'm glad i understand you can't listen because of work we'll go back to doing these at night uh and we will uh you know kind of bounce it around at some point i'm just trying to take advantage of hanging out with my wife in the evenings a little bit after i did not do that for 82 uh nights during the basketball season so let's let's kind of you know go through sort of some of the things that have happened in at least the last um, week in, in mavs land so the ones that are really, you know, that that's standing out to me, um, at least news-wise, the one we sort of have to to lead with is the fact that Luka Doncic has offered to pay for the funerals and counseling for for the families of the eight children that were um, killed during the uh, school shooting in Belgrade. Um, that was pretty horrible to uh, as as all these things are, and there's really no. Frankly, there's just no way to talk about it. It's at least not for me. It's not why I got into this. Um, and I I, you know, it's 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 just shows what kind of person he is that he offered to do something like this. It's really horrible that he has to do something like this. And beyond that, I'm I'm not particularly uh interested in, in really um going forth from there. Uh let's see here. You we we have a question in the chat from from Christopher about um, the the coaching opportunities that Mark Stein mentioned. So, as we all know, Greg St. Jean moved on to uh, another opportunity, which opens up a coaching um, vacancy within the Mavericks' uh, myriad of assistant coaches. Uh, I don't necessarily. I, I it's interesting because Jared. Let's see here. They have just so many, and um, they're. It's interesting that they're. Seeming to be looking for more of a veteran presence. You know, I've kind of asked around, and it seems that upon reflection, the coaching staff this past season was too inexperienced. Uh, they got a little ahead of their skis and they didn't know how to cope. And I think we could see that in certain elements, which is interesting now that we hear that from Mark Stein, James Brago, and Jeff Hornisack are the top targets for the Mavericks. Now both of those guys are, you know, former head coaches. Uh and and when Kid was first in the league, particularly up in uh, New Jersey and then in Milwaukee, he tended to have staffs that weren't super experienced. I'd be curious to know what the push for uh a more experienced assistant head coach would mean for the team, like what sort of things did those guys Bring. Um, Stein also name dropped Frank Vogel, former Mavs assistant Terry Stotts, and also um, uh, Silas, which would be interesting, but doesn't seem like any of those those three are all kind of lower down on the list. I really don't have a firm take on any of the the assistant coaching, uh, other than I you know uh, I would like to see some more offensive creativity, uh, particularly on out of bounds plays and stuff like that. The Mavericks were. You know, they're pretty good in 2021 22 and then this last season they they really weren't. All right, my man Andreas is calling in again uh from his side of the world. So, how are we doing this this evening on on uh, how's Europe? <laughs>
3: Very good. Thank you, much, still standing. Um so, what's um, going on tonight? You oh, I'm I'm in a lovely hotel here and last time I've been here I uh, remember you talking about um uh Christian Wood. Mm. So, what a what an asset he might be and, uh, uh that he hasn't had any Greg Popovich uh, kind of, uh, coach and so on and so forth. I think mm-hmm. that was, uh, and I think is still the merit, uh, looking at the achievements from uh, Jason Kidd, I'm also not his biggest fan. There, there it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you just now pointed out something, uh, which I find very interesting because it still is true. Um, the lack of experience on the coaching staff or on the Dallas bench is is, is very um, obvious. There's no Dwayne Casey sort of uh, championship run coach there. There isn't, right? Right. And uh, um, so that uh, the names you just mentioned are floating around at least is uh, something which makes me feel good. It really does. Yeah. About the, the whole team, and I must say, and Yes, I'm saying that as well about Christian Wood because if we do get a good coaching staff, I believe there is a chance that I would like to see a Christian Wood back on a minimum deal. Give, it, give him 1.8. Uh, given the last, given the last uh, a spot on the roster, and, and uh, give, him, give, give him some run when Davos Hans doesn't hit his three, first three shots. You know, so um, uh, why, why the heck not? I know um i I would i would give it a try i I heard this english saying yeah please his free agency is going to be worth watching because yeah very much so yeah
2: he's so talented and yet he's gone through eight teams so it's like which of the other 21 really want him
3: exactly i don't know like the
2: charlotte bobcats i mean hornets (laughs) bobcats god shows my age
3: yeah, same here. Uh, we have a similar age, so, uh, so I know them under this name as well. So um, I always struggle to say n- New Orleans Pelicans. so 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 there you go. Um, yeah, uh, is it an English saying, if, if a student didn't learn, and the teacher didn't teach? I think it is. I picked it up somewhere. And I like I think it. it apl- I, I think it applies to some degree to Christian Wood, because at one point, I think you said it last time, um, um, between 16 and 22, there is the development going on. I think you said this, and um, I, I believe you hit the nail on the head there. Um, yet again, another wonderful English saying, <laughs> and um, I think uh, he has missed an opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, let's see what what can be salvaged, if that's the right word. And yep. uh, yeah, uh, that that's it. His, his last uh, the last spot is his in my mind. Um, That being said, um, uh, maybe to touch on two other points, Um, um, I always thought, well, always thought, I have thought recently about, okay, we need a powerful world, right? So we love Maxi to death, we all do, right? Uh, The second guy out of Wurzburg who we really adore, I I get that. Um, But uh, who's out there? There's a Jeremy Grant, I think we can forget about him, there's a... um, uh ground williamson i think he will resign with boston because obviously and i'm not entirely sure if we want to give christoph spozingas a second go on the power forward or something like that i think we've done that thank you very much we have I, a lot he's already. eligible
2: for an extension and i think he's going to get one from washington he's just he's uh, certainly been pretty yeah. good he's,
4: he's more
3: consistent yeah exactly i think he's found his spot i mm-hmm. think he he has seemed to I think based on his post interviews, he's always appeared to be somewhat of a mature guy, really. I think we had got to have it handed to him. But in terms of fit, I think New York wasn't it. Dallas obviously wasn't it. So I'm I'm happy for the guy, you know. Um, so so yeah. leaving uh, the four spots, uh, the starting spot at the Dallas Mavericks Open, again, unless we want to, um, uh, you know, give Maxi another go at the four or whomever, right? We... Uh, uh, Justin Holiday <laughs> um Markiev Morris <laughs> mm-hmm. um so so um uh, it might uh, be a little bit controversial but why not putting Luca at the four i think he's he's gone through a lot of uh, positions one could argue his
2: natural position might be the four, just because of his size. And it's exactly. like, if you could play him with some other big guards and let him operate out of a different position now and again, well, let him right. ask him to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that'd be. <laughs> I, I I would I would love I would love to see some Luca at four. They they occasionally did the rare Luka Doncic at five matchup, which was really That's fun. Right. I yeah. don't know.
3: Yeah, so 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 that will be something uh, if. By uh, by by any by, by some sort of luck we, we continue to have higher on the team. We have a one. We can always get wings. Um, but there are a lot of wings uh, out there this uh, this this off season, I think we, we we can get some. And don't worry too much about four spot and five. Putting a Jakob Pertl in or something like that to um, and and again allowing Maxi to come off a bench um yeah that will be that will be a big thing in my mind again actually um,
2: yeah he has to come off the yeah. bench i think
3: yeah he does There's there's nope. no way to this yeah and then then i really and i mean it's the mavericks come on we will probably see some of those bigs we currently have on the roster back again right so we um maxi for sure i think that's 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 a given uh and i think Jawal will be uh in oh, yeah. until he's Deveil. 42 or something Jail comes
2: yeah. comes with the building <laughs> at this point.
3: And exactly. Has an inventory there, number. <laughs> there was a
2: e- ESPN segment today where former Duke and Chicago point guard Jay Williams, um, he was the guy that was drafted right after Yao Ming, if I remember correctly, way, way back in the day. He's now a pundit oh, right. on TV. And he was trash talking Anthony Davis, basically saying that like there are days <laughs> where he there are days where he looks like JaVale McGee. <laughs> to which i the marketing slogan for javel mcgee is anthony davis light that's mm-hmm. that's the and i just and i'm like oh come on
3: yeah oh. i see you so um then we have davis brett hans uh, from, always and uh, forever always and forever that's the second guy with inventory number great piece on um, um on the website I, did I you like
2: writers. that one the writer clint uh He's he's one of our funniest guys, and he never writes stuff. <laughs> he's like, "Well, I just don't know a ton about basketball." And I'm like, "Do any of us like just enjoy talking <laughs> basketball?"
3: Here you go. Good point. I I really like that one. All uh, player reviews. I really I really like the story. Right. And um, so so really, I'm uh, um, thinking about it, uh, some of the guys will be back, uh, yes. obviously, but um, uh, when I so so when I think about it, who. Could we sign who could we bring on the big uh, position? Who will be back? Who could be stretched out? I'm um, I'm not entirely sure if if he will. And who would I really like to see back? That's the question. I mean, uh, I want
2: everyone off the team. I want everyone off the team, (laughs) but Luca like everyone, send them all. But I'm not really, I don't really have a good answer because part of it is my brain hasn't led to free agency because it's May 5th. Free agency doesn't officially start until July 1st. The draft is in late June, so we'll probably start yeah. at Mavs Moneyball. Our free agency stuff, like the the first week of June, so for like another four weeks. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of there's just so much stuff that that is is up in the air. But it well, is. um, do you have, what else do you got for us? Anything?
3: No, those were pretty much the takes, and uh, thanks for that. Thanks for allowing me on. Uh, of course, always, you're always welcome. Thank you very much.
2: All right, we'll talk soon. You have a good day. Technology is fantastic to where that man can be sitting on the street and calling in from his phone, and we can we can talk to him and have great audio, great connection. It's fantastic. Um, before I bring up my next guest, Brent, I want to remind everyone: do me a favor. First, go like the stream that you know helps. The second thing I want you to do is go and subscribe to our our stream uh and our our shows we do these at least twice a week when we're in season i do them like as many times as like if there are four basketball games we have a live show and a post game show that's eight shows um i will be you know at some point bringing on some more draft uh centric folks to actually talk with them but i'm i'm you know, I, I'm at this point, I'm like trying to stick to a schedule and the sheer number of what about Frank jokes that are in the chat right now is is absolutely killing me. So, yes, if you could subscribe, that would uh, greatly appreciate it. I'm probably going to leave in an ad break right now because I'm this show won't be as long as some of our others I have to take my wife to the airport. But remember, uh, if you guys are interested in so helping Josh and I, because I'm probably never going to do anything that will charge for subscriptions. Um, You know, it's listening to the ads. uh, It's liking the stream. It's telling your friends. That sort of stuff is very helpful to us. So we will be right back uh, if you're listening on the podcast uh, after a short break.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data
2: Okay, coming up next is Mavs Moneyball contributor, Brent Brooks. Uh, He figured out how to get this to work. Uh, Brent, what's up, man?
1: Here we are. Technology's wonderful. It is wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. Good to see you. You too. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Um, This whole Greg St. Jean not coming back thing has me thinking about the year before NFL head coaches are fired and the DC or the OC has to go. To placate roiled up ownership, <laughs> it's like we're not happy, and yet we know we can't fire you. Something's got to change. Mm-hmm. They found their scapegoat, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how much uh, we can really pin on an inexperienced assistant coach when we have a glorified spectator uh, pacing the sideline. I just, I think it's an indictment on Kid and may signify more than anything else um, that we've seen so far that maybe the hot seat really is a thing in year three. What do you think?
2: Oh, it has to be. And and one of the things that, that we didn't get to on the news front, because I just kind of started talking, and I want to bring people up on stage and get, get to takes well before um, I discuss news, because you guys can get news wherever. But the Mavericks are playing two preseason games in Abu Dhabi, and they're also playing a game in Spain against Real Madrid. Historically, just looking back at teams that start seasons overseas, Start the year slow. It's it's just it's it's been. You go look at any team that that travels overseas, and they tend to start the year slow. I got into a discussion. Some people would call it an argument with Mad's radio broadcaster Chuck Cooperstein the other night, and he pointed out how kid likes to experiment to start the year, and which. Which I was just like being a dumbass is not an experiment is the thought that I had because it's like right. again starting Javelle McGee is objectively stupid. I'm sorry, it's stupid. He's 34. He sucks. We wait. We lost games to start the year because Javale McGee sucks ass. There's no other. way. Might have made the playoffs if we didn't throw away you know 15, 12 games to start the year.
1: <sighs> well, okay. look, he played harder. In the last part of that the he year, did. he really did when when he was angling for a new contract, right? And I think that kid wanted to sign the. You've talked about this. The idea of JaVel McGee more than he wanted to actually sign the reality of JaVale yes. McGee.
2: So the idea of a seven foot one guy with a seven six wingspan that looked like he knows how to play basketball, he just doesn't.
1: the The idea that kid likes to experiment is. He's he will say we're we're trying to get – he said this both years. We're trying to get the answers to the test uh, before we take the test, meaning we're going to use the regular season as a laboratory and then show what we've learned in the playoffs. And one of the things that I've said before and, and things I've written for you is, man, we can lose – we can't win championships in the regular season, but you can lose a championship or you're shot at it in the regular season. And uh, it shouldn't take you as long as it seems to – Uh, To arrive, like Carlisle seemed to know instantly as a chef, whether he had great ingredients, average or poor ingredients, he kind of knew what he was working with in the kitchen. Uh, If you've probably seen those those videos on YouTube, TikTok, where they'll bring in this low dollar item to this guy in the kitchen and go, hey, can you make gourmet such and so with this? And man, Carlisle could do that. Kid seems to be the opposite. And and you know how I feel. You know, we're probably going to have to endure another year, maybe longer of this era but I really got hope that maybe tinkering with the staff and you you wanted to know what what that was a sign of or where that push came from it to me is if everything's great and obviously the record shows that it wasn't uh, then you don't make changes you only make a change like that and maybe there's more coming and and the reporting that it needs to be a veteran coach that's that's not like, oh, we're going to go find our next young hotshot to be under kid's wing. Mm-hmm. This is we need to find a steadying force who has a experience and knowledge base that's deep enough to cover over um, the implication here being of the head coach. These deficiencies that showed up over and over. We've talked about um out-of-timeout plays and last possession plays. You need more than 30-foot step backs from Luka. You need to involve the entire team. Uh, Too much of it was improvisational because that's the only offense they ran. Now, 90% of the time, that's a great offense, but the coaching shows up in those pivotal moments on the margins. And how much did Igor help in year one? How much was he missed in year two? And is that part of what they're looking to replace in year three?
2: That was one of my favorite comments, uh, I was going through, and Chuck, like, look, I like Chuck Cooperstein. He's he's fun to talk to. He engages. He doesn't take things personally. He's very good at for an older guy at social media. I really appreciate it. One thing he said to someone was they threw out all of Igor Krakoskov's stuff after 20, 20 games last year. I'm sorry. I do not. No one in their mind is going to convince me that a, a Eurobasket winning cup, didn't they win Eurobasket in 2017, Slovenia? Was it Eurobasket? I get all these European tournaments confused, and I'm sure that pisses off our European listeners to high heaven. You're not going to convince me that a Eurobasket winning coach runs an offense that starts off the fucking 2021-22 season with Dorian Finney-Smith running two post-ups in the first quarter. I don't know if you remember that. I will never forget Dorian Finney-Smith post-ups. It's just it's, it's brain worms for me. Um, it, it's it's Luca not using his paint sprint. He's he's Picasso, but he's not using all the right paints. God, I'm so like, coaching is very important. We just saw this with Milwaukee Bucks and Bud who got fired, Bud was not really good as an, as a in-series, in-game coach, but right. as a top-down philosophical understanding of who his team was, fantastic. He is incredible. It's finding that right blend. And frankly, it's hard. Coaching is a lot harder than I think it is. I It just has to be. But where we are is just in this weird spot where we're kind of always wondering what's going on with this and that. And, Oh, are we being nice enough to Luca? Oh, does Luca have enough input? It's like, I I've gotten the sense and the pushback from our, from our Slovenian followers that Luca desperately will, he will, he will push back on coaching. He is a, he's a superstar. He wants to engage. He wants to be fought. It's it, like guys like this don't b- become who they are without significant pushes from the authority figures around them he probably want and the fact that they treat him with such oh can we what if we make luca mad well if you make luca mad you might get fired if you don't make luca mad you might get fired how about we do the thing that gets the best out of luca and the team and see where it goes if you, if you get fired after 2 years because you want you you know you're you're it's a it's a tough working environment it's a competitive situation okay that's life for me the Dallas Mavericks in all likelihood, and I'm, I'm off on one now because I'm hungry. I haven't eaten today. Yeah. The Dallas Mavericks are unlikely in the rest of the history of the franchise while you and I are alive to get a player as good as Luka Doncic ever again. Yep. We we don't talk about that enough because people are so, it's like, oh, well, this has happened twice. They got Dirk and they got Luka. Sorry, that that's winning the lottery twice. You don't win the lottery twice.
1: So go ahead. I'm we good. saw enough bad Mavericks pre-Dirk Mavericks basketball, you know, especially in the '90s, mm. uh, to, to know what it's like to to be in a year or a stretch of years where there is no hope. Um, when you start talking about the extremes of micro-coaching Luca, taking the offense out of his hands, uh, constraining his greatness, creativity, et cetera, et cetera, and the other extreme being well, he's going to run the show, I'd I push back, and not that you're saying this, but if someone were to say that those are the only two possibilities, I would push back on that notion and say, let's be embracing of the greatness and the improvisational style 80 90% of the time, but you've got to have scripted, coordinated, orchestrated offense that you can go to. Uh, one of the examples of this is, Draymond Green at the five. It really works. It is suffocating through the years. But there's a reason he isn't the starting center. You don't use your changeup as your fastball. And the Mavericks need, offensively, as great as the overall numbers are, they need something that A, Lucan can go to as a coordinated, orchestrated changeup off of what they run most of the time, especially in. Critical moments, out of timeouts, last possession. The team was too easily scouted, and that was the that was one thing I wanted to say was the St. Jean thing. And, and while I still have you, um, sure. the other thing I'm, I'm thinking about is I know sometimes we get uh, the narrative is we're too negative on Mas Moneyball, but I I think that what is getting under talked about. Is this 20% chance of ping pong ball hell? I don't know that we're really, we're we're like Isaac and Nick are making videos and rightly so it's great content. 3% chance to get Wimby. Uh, Come on. If we, if we can sit around and fantasize about 3%, we, we have to spend, isn't it fair, a proportional amount of time. And maybe you can step through me. What the dark. Dreaded timeline looks like. What does the off-season look like when you have egg on your face, humiliation, fine money, you know, almost almost beat the Bulls anyway, and somehow wound up in this coveted spot uh after all the the PR nightmare that followed it, and you still lose it. I mean, so, obviously New York's gonna go crazy and laugh their asses off, and rightly so, but how do the Mavericks navigate this offseason without that pick?
2: Oh, well, that's I'm glad you asked because I've been I, I all I really do is think about dark things. Uh no, I'm not. I the the reason I and I explain this to people who were really upset with uh the Mavericks tanking, and that includes both Mavs fans and national fans. And somebody said to me that was uh, national person, it's like, hey, well, if the Mavs lose the pick, what is that? That's just terrible. Well, what that really does, Brent, is it speeds up the car crash that we're involved in right now. Um <laughs> Like that like what the Mavericks are in is they are involved in a slow motion car crash yes. to losing a generational superstar because of a combination of bad luck and mismanagement just like the Cavaliers lost LeBron James just yep. like the New Orleans Pelicans lost Anthony Davis though uh, I waffle on Anthony Davis stuff if they if this pick goes away they are going to have to consider trading Luka soon Probably not this year, but probably next summer if they lose the pick because they'll throw something together. The Mavericks have a r- historical knack for failing up, um, like Lugodoncich, for example. Uh, they even fell in the lottery and then still ended up with Lugodoncich. So that's kind of my take is that you know, when you don't have that asset, and you really the only way you can improve your team is by hoping, you know, I. I Adrian Orjanowski talked a little bit about this yesterday. We're going to have to get uh Mav CBA, our man Scott on here at some point talking about this. He thinks that the the second apron, I think as it was might result in a lot of teams moving players around that otherwise they wouldn't retain. Um, and he thinks there's going to be a lot of player movement just as teams look to not get the shit kicked out of them by like the super duper luxury tax and that sort of thing. That could be what the Mavericks are counting on and hoping for. Um, but I, I think that there's a real chance that if they lose this pick, that just – that pushes forward the disaster – like the, the disaster button to where the Mavericks have to reset. Um, that's probably not a take that people like. But there's – we're in a nosedive. And I keep thinking like there's a phrase that that, that, that it's later than you think. Um, Objects that, are closer than they appear. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where we are because we're all convinced, and this is what fandom is – is you can pull yourself up. Like we have to hope against hope. Like that's just the nature of this. Like I talked myself into JaVale last summer. I did. You know, I like it's on the record. So it's, it's very um, it's, it's just, it's very difficult. All this is now the 20% stuff. The reason Nick, Isaac, me, the rest of us don't really talk about that is that doesn't sell papers. And I do think addressing it once or twice is worth it, but I don't, I have thought about writing this the past couple of weeks where I, I really, you know, the hours, the hours later than you think is, is sort of what the the theme of the article might be if I ever get around to it. Um, because you want to talk about it, but then you want to move on because it's just, it's not like you don't cover, like you don't follow a team hardcore to constantly be mad. That's one thing like Jeff Skinway and I disagree on a lot of things, but that's one of the things where he's right. Like if you're pissed all the time when you're watching the Mavericks, then you need to go do something else. Like that's not the point.
1: You know, two years ago, the the Western conference run, uh, I guess we can officially call it two years ago now. It's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. And I felt like that was the apex version of that roster. Um, And the underpinnings of its flaws that, you and I were both uh, and, you know, still obviously remain concerned about just showed up in all kinds of ways. And and I think that we've been fed such a Pollyannish view of what the next season's going to look like from Mavs central Mm -hmm. uh, that the season that we just watched, the son of all fears kind of season we've just watched is um, I think bringing a sense of realism to kind of where we are in the timeline, because there is optimism going into a new year, no matter what. And there will be four or five new faces and new faces. If you backtrack their careers and talk to their previous fan bases, they would be like, Oh yeah, that guy. But when it's you getting this new player, I mean, goodness, we were excited about um, Justin holiday for a few minutes. So there is going to be, it's going to be some excitement. But I just feel like we're at this time of year where there is a psychological disconnect between hot stove baseball slash basketball style talk. It's like, ooh, the Mavericks can get such and so. And here's this um, hypothetical trade. And it's fun to do and fun to talk about. But the truth is, we don't need just new players. We need two to three top six level players. Mm -hmm. So... My best case scenario, I kind of want them to hold on to the pick if they, you know, can land it well. But that's a big question in and of itself. If you can get somebody to be a starter level player out of the box and use other, quote unquote, other resources and other methods to get another, you know, maybe four out of five starters being plus or close to, you know, um, where we were in terms of efficiency and and whatnot uh, two years ago maybe there is some kind of hope for next year, but man, I keep thinking about ping pong ball hell and where this whole thing goes conversation wise. And I don't want it to happen. Uh, I'm not, uh, no, me either. It's like, nobody does. If we, we all get in our cars and we drive on the highway and we know in the back of our minds that there is a, we may not know what the statistical chance is for something terrible happening, but we know it's there. And maybe that's why we don't, off the top of your head know what the odds are on any particular drive you know that you know you're going to make it home but you get in the car and go because you accept the risk reward of well i need to get to my destination right if there was a 20 percent chance you were going to get into a terrible accident you wouldn't get in the car this is a um yeah you go well then they're going to be able to trade the next year's pick and they'll still have two picks to trade i don't buy into that at all i think that A trade in this, I mean, a pick in this year's draft, just at 10, is on the open market so much more valuable, especially on draft night, to a team that sees something bright and shiny that they want right the blank now, as opposed to, oh, you're going to trade me 2024 or 2026. It's just not as valuable uh, outside of the thought that maybe the Mavericks suck so much that trade's going to be that pick's going to be more valuable down the road, but there's something to the immediacy of having this asset to either utilize or trade. Um, man, it's it's uh, 80% chance to avoid the the organizational guillotine, and, and I'm just hoping that we can get past that moment and not um, and not have that to talk about anymore because it's kind of weirding me out a little bit.
2: I, I understand. I mean, this has been one of the more difficult eras of content making for me. Uh, and for and granted, you know, Mads Moneyball still has, like, stuff every day because we're, like, true sickos. But, like, my friend Dalton over at DallasBasketball.com, like, they do, like, a pretty good job of, like, either recycling or taking interviews and, like, writing sort of pseudo stories around it. But it's, like, I just – I it's not really what I like to read all the time. So, it's, like, I'm having us churn stuff out. And right now, it's just, like, it feels bad. It feels weird where we're like writing about, you know, I, I had, some, we're writing about top five draft picks this next week. There's a number of people like, we're going to get to Weminyana, We're going to get to Asar Thompson. We're going to get to to these, these, uh, you know, we already did one on Brandon Miller um, because there is a small chance that the Mavericks bump up. Mm-hmm. And it, it, but it also feels like wish casting, which is one of my least favorite things in in uh, Mavs sports. Cause it's like, oh, we, this, this week could end up with Dwight, howard and chris paul it's like no my heart's been broken too many times i i've never i'm well past the like the hoping stage in my fandom so it's you know we're just we're just gonna keep churning churning stuff out and kind of see where we end up
1: all right man thanks for chatting
2: of course of course um that was brent brooks he writes for mavs Moneyball uh when he is able to trying to think we had some uh questions in the chat um this is a fantastic one where it says, question to you kirk If we lose the pick and Luca eventually gets traded from the Mavs and have to reset, how much of a break from the Mavs would you need to have? So I'm going to share if I'm going to make sure Dirk Nowitzki walkabout. Yeah, if if you Google um, the words Dirk Nowitzki walkabout, the second post down is from the Dallas Observer. And it's from an author named Jesse Hyde. Dirk went on a walkabout. Uh, in Australia, and then was honest enough to talk about it. Like one of the crazier things that's happened during my during my time as a fan, because like I can't imagine like James Harden losing in the playoffs and or uh, no, Giannis attempting They just lost in the first round, um, and and you know basically going um, on a journey of reflection. It's it's it just wouldn't happen. Um, let's see if there are any others. Nobody else really wants to pop up on stage um see if there's anything else that that we need to address here at the moment just kind of going through Mavs Moneyball stuff um you know I've I've enjoyed the playoffs I don't like rooting for the Warriors but that's kind of where I am the Anthony Davis of it all was really interesting like he was so good in game one and so in game two and it's just it's remarkable. Like that's why I think this Luca stuff should be so frustrating for everyone. And when I say Luca stuff, I mean everything else related to the Mavericks around Luca because if you get to the playoffs with Luca, all bets are on. Okay. You are you, you you should be fully invested in the Mavericks doing something wild because Luca's that kind of guy. Um, this is a hilarious comment. Leo asking if I have any inside scraps. Of course I don't. I don't talk to anybody. I almost go out of my way not to know things. Um, I see Tom waiting to chat in the stream, so we're going to invite Tom up. Tom, welcome. What's going on?
4: Uh, Hey, Kirk, can you hear me? I can. You sound good. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, I I managed to uh, set up my mic, not my cam yet. That's Uh, fine. This is good. uh, I would like to thank you for the time. It's perfect for you, you know.
2: Well, it's it's better than the ones that I do at eleven o'clock, uh, you know, uh, Texas time, which is God knows whatever time for for uh, anyone anyone to the east of us. So, um, I'm I'm happy to do these in times where we can get people who aren't normally
4: able to join. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you your opinion about more like a strategic overview because in 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 my opinion, the main problem of the Dallas is that they are. Um, uh, not attracting any defensive players like uh i mean if you look at uh, usually the the winning team or the teams that are in the finals have like two or one good offensive player but like really good three or maybe even four defensive guys and basically we have like dorian Finney smith was our best defensive player and he was undrafted <sighs> Like, right. when was the last player in all-NBA defensive team that played in Dallas? I think Tyson Chandler, right? So, I mean, if the management doesn't understand that that to play defense, like, Kitty is always, let's play defense, but with whom? Like, right. uh, and, and if they don't understand this and they are just signing Kyrie who will not play defense and they are, like, before I watched on Twitch the Mavs official podcast and they were like, uh, uh, explaining how to finish this, uh, the season under the cap. And of course, like, you know, Golden State, Boston, Bucks, they overspent like crazy. And we, we, if we will be at the cap and we will not get enough money to buy the defensive players, we need to, to put them near Luka to basically have the defense that we need. Because if I'm not mistaken, we have the best half-court offense already. Even before Kyrie, we had it. So like offense, is not the problem. Like the main problem is the defense. That's and, right. And I, 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 like the Mavs official podcast was saying, oh, let's give Pavel 5 million. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't rebound. He doesn't defend. Like it's a disaster. I, I think the, like I realized this this year that I, I think that this team is not strategically smart enough to even know what kind of players to get. And, and that's why I, I think like we are done basically, like it's impossible because if the team is not intelligent enough to understand what kind of players they need to get, it's, it's over. I don't know. I want to hear your take about this. I, am I just too much depressed because the Slovenians are usually very pessimistic or how do you see it? <laughs> pessimistic is, the right, is is the right word. And I'll answer your question like this.
2: It's To me, it's not necessarily the defense is part of the problem. It's that the Mavericks have too many um what we refer to here as one-dimensional players. They're guys who are good at one thing on either side of the ball, whether it's Reggie Bullock being able to hit threes, but he cannot dribble or make a layup to save his life. You have uh, a center like Dwight Powell who's able to roll to the basket but he is essentially a, a saloon door or a hostess at a restaurant ushering people to the basket. Um, that's that's sort of where where he falls for me and where the Mavericks have been for years, where they have all these guys that just aren't, um, multi-dimensional enough to make a big difference. And that that's been really the challenge that we face watching the team, because from the outside looking in, I know this, like we shouldn't have to crow and be upset that the Mavericks don't have good dribblers because dribbling is a basic skill of a basketball player. And where, you know, it, 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 there was a, um, the, the 77, Minutes in Heaven podcast, the horrendously named podcast with my friend, Tim Cato and Mike Pellucci, they had to take Mike had a, Mike Pellucci had a take a couple of weeks ago that he feels that in terms of Maverick team building philosophy, the Mavericks are always two to three years behind um, the word here, I think is meta, basically the, the industry standard for lack of a better term of what a successful team is. The Mavericks are never on the cutting edge. And that has been such a problem with the team building for years because uh, I'm sure you've heard on other podcasts uh, the 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 phrase the bird rights trap, which is essentially when you keep your own players and you resign them to more expensive contracts, you're locking yourself in as a team to these guys that just aren't good enough for the money that they're being paid, and the Mavericks have walked into that with Hardaway with, I mean, Dorian to an extent, and then they, and by trying to avoid the bird rights trap with Jalen Brunson, they let a key piece of their team go. I mean, the team building element is very hard because going and finding free agents, we often make it seem like it's easy. It's really not because there's a lot of limitations salary wise and location wise. And then there's Mark Cuban and play style and what players want. It's all very difficult. Um, I'm sure you see this with the different basketball and football clubs of Europe, where it's like some teams just have are are more destination based. Uh, It's, it's, it's a frustrating situation we find ourselves in.
4: Okay. Just one more question for you. If we can see this from the outside, how come they can not see it? Like, this is what I don't understand. Even like you, you have so much information from the inside more. How come you don't see the, the the wood from the trees or how do you say it, the forest the forest from the trees. For the, this is a fantastic
2: question Tom and it has to do with the fact that the Ma- Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban is very convinced of his own correctness and when you get a player like Luka Doncic which as you know over as as Europeans know as Slovenians know when you get a player like that which is the hard part of any team building. There's kind of a, 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 a attempt to breathe a sigh of relief. Okay, we did the hard part. But the margin for error shrinks and continues to shrink as the team building process goes along because the superstar gets more and more impatient with not winning. I mean, I remember Luca's rookie year I had, you know, Slovenian fans telling me, like, Luka's going to ask out. He doesn't want to be a part of a losing team. And it's like, well, the team was bad. That's why we were able to get Luka. <laughs> it's just it's a different team structure in the United States with the draft and such. But Mark Cuban and the Mavericks are very convinced of their own path. You know, the hiring of Jason Kidd is, is the easiest thing for me because they were they convinced themselves that a coach that did not have a job was the next coach of the Dallas Mavericks. Now, maybe he's still gonna work out. I don't think so. But they refuse to say, okay, this guy's part of the problem. Instead, they're just they're doubling down. And that, you know, that's just what happens because admitting mistakes is not something this team has ever been very good at.
4: So basically, toxic masculinity is the problem. <laughs> I wouldn't call it that,
2: but it is like. It's just such self-assured confidence. I mean, I don't know. If I if I ever became, and Mark asked me this when he came on hit my show a couple of years ago, where he said, you know, wouldn't you do what I'm doing if you were in charge? And the answer is yes, of course I would. But I'm a moron.
4: <laughs> like, I'm not a billionaire. I'm a guy with an internet connection. Like, what hmm. are we doing? <laughs> But, but, but even so, like after like 11 years of not not being able to produce results by myself, shouldn't I think, hmm, maybe, maybe it's time to ask somebody else. Maybe I'm too old for this uh, S, right? And, yeah. and somebody else should take over. We'll see. Hopefully we don't find out too late. Okay. Yeah, hopefully. Let, I will try to be optimistic. I will it, too. It's more fun that way but like when, when when we lost Branson for nothing my heart just sank i said this is a, a nightmare like yep. that that draft was like amazing Luca and Branson and like they were set for the guards they just could have gone for the wings and the center and it would be oh my i, I don't know I, I i think that was such a major misplay not giving Branson 120 or whatever he wanted whatever he wanted like, I- yeah, I mean he's better than Kyrie in my opinion to play next to Luca because Branson can actually play slow while Kyrie really prefers to play fast. And I don't know. I, I, I oh, this is maybe another thing you you could uh, talk about. Uh, how do you see it? Because like I I don't see Kyrie and Luca matching perfectly. Like Luca likes to take it slow, likes to take ten seconds to get over the half, and like Kyrie wants to run, wants to you know create fast. And like, that doesn't go well together, in my opinion. But Branson could like play slow next to Luka.
2: I understand why people aren't necessarily a fan of how it turned out. But if they had won four more games and made the playoffs, I sort of think everybody would be feeling differently about the offense. Um, that, that's just kind of my take on it. Because when they work together, the Philadelphia 76ers game is the game that really sticks out in my mind. Um, I don't know if you remember that game, but that was the game where both Luca and Kyrie scored forty points each. That's not going to happen every game, um, but they were so good, and that I can't. I it's it's um it's hard for me to get that out of my mind. If that makes sense,
4: what was that the game Embiid didn't play or he played? He, oh, played. he played. It was like one thirty to
2: one like one twenty seven. They just they ran Embiid off the court
4: because man, Embiid man, couldn't guard them. I I'm, I'm too old when you say 130 what, like what the hell is that like where was the defense like I, I I remember like Jordan and Bulls like keeping people under 80 like okay I know this is impossible today in today's NBA but like at least under 110 please like I think we lost almost a- every game that that it uh, the opponent made more than 110 points yeah. like I, I know that's my like PTSD about talking I love it you. But, yeah. Okay, thank you for your of answer. Of course. Thanks for joining. I hope you
2: come back. Uh, gladly. All right, have a good day. All right, we got one more caller in the in the uh, chats waiting to hang out. Keen, I'm going to bring you up here. Let me figure out my buttons because I can't remember how to do some of this sometimes. Keen, welcome. What's going on? What up, Kirk? Can you hear me? I can. What, what's, what's on your mind today?
6: Yeah, yeah. So I just want to talk a little bit about uh, a tug of war that I feel like we keep talking about is You know, mortgaging the future by trading picks versus building through the draft, and I think you've talked about that several times. That I think you would prefer to build through the draft, but then we have this whole thing of a timeline that Luca has. So that means we keep mortgaging the future. We mortgaged it with the KP draft, uh, that trade. We mortgaged it with the Kyrie trade, giving up first-round picks. I think Christian would, to an extent, giving up that first-round pick. That was, to an extent, mortgaging the future also. And then I was listening to 77 Minutes this morning and they were talking a little bit about if we get the fourth pick, you know, we could trade it or we keep the 10th pick and we should trade it. And I feel like all of these moves are really just mortgaging the future to, I don't know, keep Luca happy. And at what point, like, it does, do, does he just leave? And then we start to actually build through the draft because, you know, me personally, I would love to have use that 10th pick or use a fourth pick on someone who's going to be, uh, a good solid player, or you know, even a superstar, for years to come, as opposed to mortgaging it to get a distressed asset to play along. You know, Luca and maybe Kyrie. That's
2: well, a good question, and it kind of centers back to to where I've been going. Probably like 15 games left in the season, and I don't want to be like uber dark and like make people feel you know unhappy and dread their fandom, but. When you, you have so many bites at the apple every offseason, and you know you go back, and Josh Bow and I have talked about this for a long time, the 2019 offseason was a preparation for Giannis Attentacumpo, and the Mavericks failed. They failed to build a decent team. They failed to recognize what they had on their hands in Luka Doncic. And from there, it's been kind of playing catch-up, where you have to undo the Kristaps porzingis signing, which worked until it didn't, and Porzingis is just not the right fit. That's okay. Um, all these things, you know, mistakes simply add up. And so when you talk about mortgaging the future in an attempt to undo a mistake sometimes, and we all do this in our personal lives, sometimes you make another mistake. And I think that that's an element of what the Mavericks have done. You know, the 2020 draft was a real toss up. Uh, I get mad about some of the picks related to Josh Green and so forth. But if you go look at that draft, like it, like James Wiseman went number one, number one, number two. I mean, he was a disaster. And he was a disaster because it was a COVID draft where no one knew anything about these guys. So it's, you know, sometimes I complain and talk about how how easy it looks in hindsight, but it wasn't easy. It's mistakes were made. And when you, when you make mistakes, you just have to, at a certain point, you have to stop making them and you have to take the the harder path. And I think that selecting somebody at 10 is the harder path. Luca's not necessarily going to like it. I don't know. Depends on who they could get at 10, but if you get somebody that's functional, you build because you have Green, you have Hardy, you have Luca, you might have Kyrie. Go from there. See what happens. Like, let's not always – it's the inclination to want to make everything perfect right now. You know, if we're being honest with ourselves, the Mavericks played a, a ahead of their skis in 2021 20, uh, and 21-22. They, they won more games than they should have. And then last year they lost more games than they should have. So it's just it's sort of starting over and figuring out how to make it work. I, I that's what I hope they do at least. So you're leaning towards
6: keeping the tenth pick. I desperately uh, want to keep the pick. pick. Okay. Desperately. Yeah, that's that's how I feel too. And then I mean, obviously there's the pitfall of that tenth pick. You spent three years developing developing him, and he doesn't turn out to be anything. And then everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, we should have traded him for I don't know, uh, I don't know Chris Middleton or something like that. And something, yeah. And there's that's always right. a butterfly effect with everything. But I think I would just love to have that 10th pick be someone young and have the the potential to become someone better in hopefully three years. And I, I think right. that's where I'm, I'm staying too. So um, my second question is about you kept saying, you know, this is a take the medicine year, take the medicine year mm. uh, to, you know, get off the KP trade. But with the Kyrie trade, this is not really taking the medicine. We're still – you know, locked into the Stepien rule, and I don't know when we're taking this medicine because it's definitely not this year because we're still going to owe the Knicks the next year's pick or the 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 one after that. So I don't, you know, I would love to take our medicine, and I thought losing and not making the playoffs was taking the medicine, but in hindsight, it it really is. We still are on the hook with the Knicks.
2: It's a it's a great point, and it's why I wasn't really a big fan of the Kyrie trade. I wasn't a fan at leading up to it, but then it's like once something like that happens. As a person that comments on the team, there's only so much of an appetite to go, well, I told you so. And I do that a lot already, but I have to kind of couch it. And once Kyrie's on the team, it was like, okay, this is what we have. This is the bed we made. This is what we're going to have to do. And it's, it's what's so frustrating is that you could argue that it was a double down that just didn't work. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs. So yeah, it didn't work.
6: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It just feels like we keep paying off credit. We're opening credit cards to pay off the last credit card, and it's—I uh, I don't know. But fingers crossed. Uh, thanks for having me up, and uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for hanging out, my man. We'll uh, hope to have you back. Um, all right. I didn't—I didn't mean to remove him. Maybe he removed himself. All right, guys. This was uh, this was fun. It's always fun talking to you guys for over an hour. Is great um we'll be back next week probably with a few more player reviews any more news we still have some time leading up until the lottery uh i will probably be doing a live show the night of the lottery so everybody can we can suffer together in, in real time as they un, undo the envelopes i i don't even know if i can be in front of a television um thanks so much for for hanging out again please uh, like the stream please leave comments uh, please go and subscribe to the page. You know, we're, we're inching closer to a thousand. We got so many in the first few weeks and then we just like died. Well, that's because the Mavericks died. So now it's really only the hardcore fans here. Um, you guys are wonderful. I hope everyone enjoys their weekend and we will talk with everybody soon. Go Mavs.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?